0: So, um, I think that, like, when people see me, like, when you first, like, lay eyes on me, when you're first meeting me, when you're first starting to interact with me, I don't think, like, that the first thing that anybody thinks is, like, wow, that looks like a guy who's been in some fights, (laughs) I don't think anybody's ever made that judgment upon meeting me. And you'd be correct. I have not been in many fights. Um, I'm not very confrontational just in the first place. And that, like, especially would, like, extend to physical violence. So I've got one fight under my belt. Only one. Um, In sixth grade, uh, my, like, class decided that we were going to start a fight club. Um, I don't know that... (laughs) This is all 100% true. This is not like when a comedian is like, let me tell a story and you can tell it's fake. This is all true. Um... Uh, yeah, so we decided to start a fight club. I don't know if somebody had like seen the movie. I don't know if somebody had just heard the words or heard of the concept. That's what we decided to do, and uh, we had to be sneaky about it because obviously Viewmont Elementary School did not condone violence. Our rules were be respectful, be responsible, be safe. This was none of those, um, and so we uh, and so we went out to the far corner of um, our like of like the field, um, as far away from our recess monitors as possible. And then um, we would all just stand in a circle is what we would do, uh, and then basically two kids would just get nominated to go into the middle of the circle and push each other around, punch each other. I don't know, that was what we did. Um, I was super on board with the fight club, by the way. I was like super into it. I I was helping plan it and everything. I just didn't want to have to fight in it. I just wanted to watch. Um, yeah, I just wanted to promote the fighters. I was working on becoming an agent, basically. I had my guys where I was like, I was betting on, right? Um, and so we had two rules um, in Fight Club. You couldn't punch anybody in the face. And then there was another sensitive place where you weren't allowed to hit anybody. Um, those were our two rules. That was it. Everything else was allowed. Um, and if the recess monitors ever came over and they wanted to know what was going on, we were playing cops and robbers. That's what we said. Um, that was our cover every single time. And so I was able to get away without fighting for as long as I could. Um, uh, But eventually everyone was like, they want to get Nate in there. They want to get Nate in there. Um, And they were like, we want to get a fight with the small guys. Let's get the small guys in there. Because I was like pretty short and pretty skinny at the time. And so they ended up like uh, throwing me and my buddy uh, Zachary into the ring uh, to fight. Neither of whom wanted to be there. And so I remember I'm standing there, and I'm looking across the circle uh, at, um, you know, a circle of just 10-year-olds. And I'm looking at Zach, and I'm like, I got to hit him first. I just have to. And so I, like, run across the circle, and I, like, tackle him to the ground. And I'm, like, surprised that it worked. uh, (laughs) uh, Because normally when I push somebody, they just stay still. Um, But he's now, like, on the ground. So I, like, pop up. And I, like, don't know what to do next because I don't want to hurt him because I don't like fighting. I like watching other people do it. Um, So I, like, pop up. I don't know what to do. And he stands up as well. And he just punches me right in the face. (laughs) Like, just as hard as he can. Just right in the face. Um, I'm shocked by this. But it feels like slow motion as well because, like... As I'm like getting like knocked back, I see my retainer because uh, I was because I'm in sixth grade. Um, I see my retainer like flying out of my mouth, and all I can think is like, my mom's going to kill me because that retainer is broken, and I know it's expensive. <laughs> I'm like, it's over for me. And then there's like a lot of blood as well with the retainer, and I'm like. Is that mine? You know, and then I, like, hit the ground. And so I quickly, like, scramble to, like, find my retainer. Luckily, it's not broken. I'm bleeding from all over in my mouth because um, because the retainer, like, cut up the inside of my mouth because I had like, a bunch of sharp little hooks. And so I put it back, and I'm, like, upset because, like, we only established two rules, man. And you, like, you, you broke it, right? So I'm mad. I'm, like, I'm not fighting anymore sort of thing. And so I make my way over to the recess monitors, and I say... Um, can I go inside uh, to the bathroom? And they're like, "Why are you bleeding?" And I'm like, "Cops and robbers." Um, so <laughs> it went <in> time. <laughs> I went <laughs> inside. Um, but I'm also like, I, I, I'm not good at lying, and I had such like a guilty conscience that I immediately told my teacher like 20 minutes later what we were doing, and "Cops and robbers" was ble- was banned um, <laughs> from class. Yeah, so. Why do I tell you all of that? Um, First, because it's funny. Um, Second, to establish I don't want to fight you. And um, (laughs) third, because uh, we get to start a new series this week called Stand Your Ground, Um, something that I tried to do and failed. Uh, My name's Nathan. If we haven't met before, I'm our next-gen pastor uh, here at Crossroads. So I get to be downstairs with your kids in Kids Church. I get to be here on a Tuesday night uh, with your students for youth group. And I get to be at our Ogden campus on a Sunday night for young adults. So if you fit in any of those categories or your kids do, um, they should come hang out with us for sure. So in this series, we're going to be taking a look at how we all of us in here, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, probably you don't like it, um, but we are all actively fighting a very real battle. It's a very real battle, but it's also a spiritual battle, okay? And that's what we're going to be talking about. But maybe like the most important thing to sort of carry through the whole series is though we are fighting a very real very spiritual battle. And that can be a little bit concerning. It can be hard. It could maybe even be scary for you. In spite of all of that, we serve a God who equips us to win that battle, okay? I did not equip myself to win a fight with Zach Mendez, right? But I serve a God who equips me to win the fight against my real enemy, the devil, okay? I serve a God who's actually already won that battle 2,000 years ago, And so that's what I want you to remember throughout the whole series. I really want you to remember that. Um, And uh, we've got one other thing that we're going to sort of be uh, hitting each week. Also, if we could throw up that first verse, this is written by a guy named James. He was the brother of Jesus. And he said this, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's how we stand our ground, is by submitting ourselves to God. And so we're going to come back to that idea again and again over the next five weeks, because that's what we really want to remember, is that if we submit to God, then we will be able to resist the devil. Actually, it's as simple as that. I think we can just, like, pack it up and go home, right? <laughs> like, mystery solved. Like, how do, we, how do we fight this battle? We just submit to God, right? Um... But in all seriousness, throughout this series, the other thing that we're going to be looking at is the armor of God, which has been given to us to withstand the schemes of the enemy. And we're going to be looking at different ways that the devil has been resisted throughout God's word also. Because you can look at the examples of the other saints, the other followers of God, and you can see what they did to resist temptation. You can see what they did to fight back against the schemes of their very real enemy in their very spiritual battle. Because... You have a real enemy who does not like you. And in fact, what's really cool uh, about this, I was thinking about this series, I was thinking, you know, preparing, and I was like, the fact that you're here this morning means that you're already resisting the enemy, which is really cool because he did not want you to be here this morning. He's ticked off that you're here in these green chairs with your community, with people who love you, with people who also want to serve God. Because he does not want you to be here. He does not want you to be reminded that he is your enemy and that he is scheming against you. He does not want you to be in a community of believers who love you and support you. He does not want you to worship Jesus and to surrender to him. He does not want us to pray for each other like we did during worship. He does not want any of that to happen. He doesn't want you to learn more and to grow in your faith. He doesn't want you to ever set foot in this building, and he doesn't want you to ever be around your fellow believers. So don't just come this week. Don't just come next week. Come for this whole series, and then keep coming to church, because that is how you can resist the devil. We have a whole series worth of content to share with you on this topic, and each one of these messages will be relevant, and they will be useful in withstanding the schemes of the evil one. I've said that phrase a couple of times, withstand the schemes of the evil one. And so the question, I think, kind of immediately becomes at the start of, like, uh, what do we mean when we say schemes of the evil one? When I was a kid, that line really scared me when I, when I was a young kid. Um, I didn't like the idea of somebody being out there, like, plotting against me, especially an entity like the devil that felt, like, very, like, vague, and and very foreign, and sort of difficult to understand, like, that was kind of a a freaky thing, and I also, like, went to a church where a lot of, like, older Christians in my life liked to share stories about, like, sort of the realities of the spiritual world, many of which were scary, and none of which were ever prefaced with, like, you are a child of God, so you don't need to be afraid, so that meant that I was afraid a lot, (laughs) because they weren't telling me that I didn't need to be, Right? And so I had, they didn't tell me that I had nothing to fear, and so I feared, um, you know? And so, like, what are these schemes, you know? Like, uh, what, are, what are those things that, like, the evil one would use? Well, I think they might seem somewhat plain and ordinary. But just because his schemes seem somewhat plain and ordinary does not mean that they are not destructive. You might not even attribute, when you hear some of these things, you might not even attribute them to the devil, though they are his will. You see, the devil wants you to be alone. He wants you to be lonely. And so he's going to scheme and find ways to get you alone and lonely. The devil wants to tempt you towards things that will harm you. Sometimes those are substances. Uh, Sometimes those are habits and uh, and behaviors uh, that will that will hurt you sometimes physically, sometimes mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, the devil wants to distract you he wants you to be thinking about all of the things that are not of God, and so this might be through things like entertainment, this might be through something like hard work, this might be even through something that's seemingly like very good, like hard work or, or your family or something like that. but if it distracts you from God and from his will, then the devil will totally use that. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to break up your friendships. He wants you estranged from your parents, or he wants you estranged from your children so that you're not in, relation, in good relationship with people who are important to you. Uh, the devil wants you to become offended and leave church not just your church, but just church in general, to leave the community of believers, okay? He wants you to gamble away your provision. He wants you to numb your pain with pills. The devil wants you to be lazy, and he wants you to be lustful. He wants you to be wrathful, and he wants you to be reactive. He wants you to be angry, and he wants you to be absent. And ultimately, at the end of the day, this all boils down to he does not want you in a relationship with a creator God who loves you and who died for you. He does not want you to be within the will of a creator God who loves you and died for you and provides for you and protects you and teaches you and grows you. He does not want you to have that relationship. And so he's going to do everything he can to keep you away from that. John, a follower of Jesus, a friend of Jesus's, actually recorded what Jesus said throughout his life. And this is what Jesus said about our adversary, about the devil, uh, in John chapter 10, verse 10. This is what he said. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Here, Jesus gives a clear distinction of the devil's goals and of his own goals. The devil comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He wants you hopeless and addicted and lonely. He wants you numb and broken and angry. But the life that Jesus came to give you, it's life to the fullest. Okay? It's, a life where you, um, it's a life where you do not uh, have these same needs and these wants because he fills you. He's the bread of life and he sustains you. And the devil wants to ruin that, and it likely won't be through physical and violent actions, though the words steal, kill, and destroy do evoke something that is physical and violent, right? Instead, oftentimes, his temptation is sneaky and subtle, it's temptation and isolation and distraction and deception, right? A lot of shun words that the devil is up to, right? Um, that's what he's going to do. I mean, take, for example, uh, one like perfect example of this is there's a time when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. He had recently been baptized, um, and afterwards he's filled with and led by the Spirit into the wilderness to go and fast and pray and spend time with his father, Uh, For for 40 days, right? Crazy. Um, And so Jesus is out there in the wilderness alone. And we see here that some of the temptations that he faces are very sneaky. The devil finds him when he's alone and he's hungry. And he tries to tempt him into making his own food. And then afterwards, when that doesn't work, he tries to convince him to throw himself down off of this uh, high up place. And says that the angels will save him. And then finally, he offers him riches and glory in exchange for just a little bit of worship. Some of those temptations are kind of obvious when like, we look at them, but some of them are far less so, right? Some of them, you're like, I would never do that. And then there's others where you're like, that makes sense. Like a man's gotta eat. If I haven't eaten in 40 days, I too would wanna make some food, right? I'd be heading over to the microwave immediately. And, uh, but Jesus knew that, god would provide we're going to talk more about that story uh here in a couple of weeks actually we're going to go like in depth into that narrative and we're going to see how we can uh, do what jesus did to resist temptation but it shows us just how sneaky our enemy can be i've got one other um, narrative that comes to mind of him being sneaky in the garden um so we go all the way back to the garden of eden uh, Adam and Eve are there. And we see that uh, Eve first is visited uh, by her very real enemy and he is tempted to go against God's perfect plan. She's told that God is being controlling and that he might not actually know what is best for her. And so this sneaky temptation we see here is one of independence. She's told to make her own choices and to go her own way. Does the world not give us those same messages all the time? Are we not told all the time to be independent, to follow our heart, to forge our own path? I mean, it's weird. Like, the the Bible can be so counterintuitive where it's like, be dependent on God, right? Like, that's what the Bible's teaching us. But the world would tell you to be dependent on nobody. You should not be dependent on anybody is what the world would tell you. And so, while... Spoiler for a couple weeks, Jesus does resist that temptation. Adam and Eve did not do so. And the devil successfully steals with their closeness with God. He kills by bringing sin into the world, and death becomes a part of our worldly experience. And he destroys God's original plan for humanity. The devil steals, kills, and destroys but that does not need to be our story. And it is not God's will that that be our story. And so we're going to be spending some time this morning in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, okay? Ephesians is a letter to some followers of Jesus in a city called Ephesus. It's written by a guy named Paul who had actually met Jesus, had experienced him, and had had his life changed by him. And he teaches us how to be strong in the Lord in this letter. And so if we could throw up Ephesians 6, we're going to be starting in verse 10. And we're going to see uh, what Paul says to us about how our story can be different. This is what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So there's those schemes of the evil one that we're talking about, those sneaky, subtle ones, those things that you maybe would not even attribute to him, that you would not even think are his plan or his doing. Uh, We're going to be protected against them through what? The armor of God. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly realms, we're going to be talking more about that specific verse next week, or like those two verses next week. We're going to be talking about like, like who, what our struggle is against. But let me tell you right now that sometimes we think that our enemies are other people. Um, we get, uh, we can get distracted and we can get tricked into thinking that like this person is my enemy, but that is not the case. Okay. Our real enemy is not flesh and blood. It is spiritual. It is the powers of this dark world. That is who we are wrestling against. That is who we are fighting against. That's who we are learning to resist. We are on the same team with other people because we are made in the image of God, okay? So therefore, how do we resist those things? How do we fight back against the spiritual forces of this world? Put on the full armor of God So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. There it is. Uh, We can like roll the credits now. Now the message is starting, right? I said the thing. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Okay? So put on the full armor of God. What is that armor? It continues in the next verse. Stand firm then with first the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In our struggles against the spiritual forces of evil, God has given us offense and defense. He's given us armor and He's given us a sword. He's given you truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation. That list of words just boosts me with confidence, right, when I know that I have been given those things. like. I said a couple of pages ago in my notes a lot of, like, very negative words that felt very grim and that made me feel a little bit hopeless when I thought about the schemes of the enemy. I'm like, man, like, he wants me to be angry, like, I get angry. He wants me to be lustful, I get lustful. He wants me to be lazy, I get lazy, right? Like, those things happen. But then, like, when I hear that, when I hear that God has given me faith, when I hear that he's given me peace, when I hear that he's given me truth, that just boosts me with confidence. He has given me truth to dispel the lies of the enemy. I all the time believe lies about myself and others. I believe that they can't change. And I believe that I am not good enough. And then I read God's word. I read the truth that he's given me. And I'm like, no, like, I might not be good enough, but, like, God equips me. And, like, God can change them if he can change the people that I read about in his word. And those lies that I believe can be dispelled. He has given us righteousness to keep us in right standing with God. We cannot be righteous on our own. We fall short all the time. You probably are acutely aware of your shortcomings, as am I. But God gives us righteousness. Through his spirit, he sees us cleansed white as snow, washed clean by his sacrifice that he made. And he can make us righteous. And that is so encouraging. He gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. I have found myself and you likely have as well in situations where I feel no peace and where it would not make sense to have peace. There are times when you look at like somebody's situation you're like, yeah, I would not feel peaceful either, right? Like the things that are happening in their lives are just really hard, really scary, really overwhelming, really busy and stressful, right? And it doesn't make sense to have peace about that situation. But through God, you can, because he's, the Bible says, if you ask, He will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. and you can clothe yourself in that. you can just like you can put on the belt of truth, you can put on the boots of peace and you can say, it doesn't make sense, I'm going to trust God with it. He's given us faith that He will provide and protect us in the future as in the past. We've talked for the past four or five weeks about faith and about heroes of the faith and about how just like those people in God's word, Abraham and Rahab and Noah and Moses, just like it wouldn't necessarily have made sense for them to trust God in those situations and have faith, but he did come through, that can be our story as well. Yes, it can with the shield of faith, which extinguishes the fiery darts of the evil one. When he's scheming against you, when he's throwing everything he can against you, you can have faith in God because he's proven himself in the past, and he will prove himself in the future. Mm -hmm. And finally, he's given us salvation because he already won, because he fought that battle for us on the cross and defeated sin and defeated death 2,000 years ago, and he's coming back. And so we can put on the helmet of salvation and we can know that whatever happens, the battle has already been won, right? And that doesn't mean that we're not going to experience hard things now. That's why he's given us those other pieces. We know that at the end of the day, death and sin have been vanquished by God. And so when I don that armor, I have nothing to fear. I know that nothing can stand against my God. And that's not even counting the offense that he's given us, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We see Jesus wield this to resist temptation in the wilderness, and we can wield that as well. We can test the things that we're hearing against the word of God to discern what is true and what is a lie. We can study and follow God's word to live life and to live a life that is abundant I mean, remember what Jesus said about why he came versus what the devil has planned. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We need to build our lives on the teachings of Jesus. He gave this teaching um, uh, during the Sermon on the Mount. uh, Jesus, Jesus is like, sort of like, He's like big teaching, like it was, his, um, it was his Gettysburg Address. It was his I Have a Dream, right? So he's in the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus is teaching, and he wraps it up by saying, look, if you are foolish, then you will listen to what I say, and you'll forget it, if you're foolish. You'll listen to what I say, and you won't apply it to your life, and you will be building your life on sand. But he says, if you're out here, and you're wise, and you're hearing what I'm teaching, then that will be like building your life on rock, on solid rock, on a strong foundation. So when the winds come and the rains come and the floods come, you'll still be standing because you and I both know, we all know here, that the winds and the rains of life will come and they won't be avoidable. That's just a part of life. But if we build our life on a strong foundation, if we dress ourselves in the armor of God, then we can withstand the fiery darts and we can withstand the wind and the rain that comes. So what does it look like to build our lives on the teachings of Jesus? It means we live in community. It means we love God and we love people. It means we forgive each other and we repent and we take care of widows and orphans. We raise the bar in our thought life, the things that we are spending our time thinking about. Jesus shows us how to live and how to live fully. He has shown us how to do so. And that takes us back to our first verse of this morning, James 4.7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what we have to do. We have to submit ourselves to our God. Submit ourselves to our te- his teaching and apply that teaching in our lives. That's how we get dressed in that armor of God each and every day. We have to know what his word says. We have to know what is true so that we can put on the belt of truth. We have to understand that we can put our faith in him, and that's how we put on that shield of faith. I think maybe at its core, if I had to sort of like boil this part of uh, our series down, this message down to something, this message is about being aware. We can't be naive. We can't live life assuming that nothing will come against us. Our enemies aren't the other people in our lives, but we do have an enemy. And Peter, another friend of Jesus's who lived with him and walked with him, um, he warns us that it's really easy to forget about that enemy. He says, Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. He says, look, you and the other followers of Jesus have an enemy that is real and that wants to cause suffering. So be watchful and be sober-minded. Don't forget. Stay sober and keep on alert. Lions, if you know anything about lions, if you've ever watched like Planet Earth or something, right, you know that they hunt easy prey. They hunt the weak, the sick, and the lonely. And that is why we need each other. And that is why we need to be on alert because he's going for the easy prey. We need to look out for each other, but also we need to ask for help when we need it. Also, we are better together. We're better when we're there for each other. We're better when we confess to each other what's happening in our lives, even if it's hard, even if it brings shame. Even if it's something that you don't necessarily want to share, we are stronger when we reveal that we are not alone. We need to reach out to each other and be there for each other. I, uh, to do this, because that's something that like, I want to apply, right? Um, I've, uh, for a couple years now, I have a list of people on my phone to reach out to and uh, check in on. It's a lot of, like, youth who have, like, graduated, um, and it's a lot of, like, young adults, right, in my life that maybe, like, we're not as connected anymore. We're not seeing each other every day because they're living somewhere else or something. And I I can't get everybody, but I can get this group, you know. And so I I text them, and I check in, and I tell them that I'm praying for them. Sometimes during worship, you might see me on my phone, right, because that's, like, a good time for me to do so. That's when I'm reminded. I'm like, okay, I reached out to them last last week, but I haven't talked to them in three weeks, right? I'm going to see how they are, are doing. And I think that that is worship. I, I think that God finds it pleasing when I'm loving his kids in that way, you know? Um, I think that I'm resisting the schemes of the evil one when I ask a friend how I can pray for them. And when I encourage my missionary friends in their good work, and I tell them, hey, blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news. Like, that's biblical. And so... That's how I can be there for others. And so think about like how can I be there for others and how can I invite others to be there for me? Because sometimes we can isolate ourselves and we won't even let somebody be there for us and that's how we get isolated and alone. So what's our takeaway? What do we do? What what are, what are we ultimately saying this morning? We're saying that we are in a battle so you've got to get dressed. You just have to. And you can't just throw on anything. You have to dress for battle because you're in a battle. You have to dress for battle. I have to dress for battle. You wouldn't go into, like, physical combat, confrontation. Like, if you're in the military, you're going to put on a uniform, right? Like, Travis Kelsey might show up for a football game in a $6,000 suit, but when he gets on the field for combat, because, like, football is combat, right? He's putting on his helmet, and he's putting on his pads. I chose him because he seems relevant right now. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> the U.S. military and every other military, they equip their soldiers for success. So are you equipping yourself for success? Are you? Are, like, like, ask yourself, like, am I equipping myself for success? Okay? The Bible tells us how to do so. Stand firm in the belt of truth, buckled around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, that means good news, the good news of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That is a list that will prepare you for success. That is how you are dressed for battle. And that is something that you can do each and every day. And that's kind of like a long list. Like, that's a lot of things. So I think for today, what you should do is you should look at that list. You can highlight it on your phone. If you have the Bible app, you can take a picture of it now. If you've got a physical Bible, you know, underline it, circle it, right? Look at that list. Read that list. And I think today what we should do is we should ask ourselves, what do we need more of from that list? What is it that you are missing from your life that you're like, if I could just add one of those things right now, that would be a game changer. If you're here and you're like, I've, I've not accepted Jesus yet, then like the helmet of salvation is the way to go. Like that is a great first step because he died for you years ago, died for you in this room, you personally, because he loves you, right? So that's a great first step. You might be here and you're like, man, I'm not feeling a lot of peace. Like, everything feels too big, the problems in my life feel too large, and I don't have peace about them, then that's our list for today. That's our item for today that we're going to start working on, that we're going to pray and we're going to ask God for. Um, I I feel like for me, like, it is the belt of truth, right? Because, like, man, I've got some lies that I am tempted to believe in my life uh, that I know God wants to break me free of, right? He does not want me bound, chained by lies in my life. So I'm going to ask him for more of the belt of truth today, more truth. And whatever it is for you, ask him to give it for you. Ask him to give it to you. And maybe you've got a friend in your life who, like, man, like, they really exemplify that. Like, you've got a friend in your life who's, like, man, they just have so much faith. They trust God for such big things that you'd be, like, scared to ask God for. Then that, also you can talk to your friend. And you can ask them, like, hey, like, like can you help me get this fitted, right? They can't have faith for you, but they can tell you, like, this is, like, why I'm able to like have this faith. Here's my testimony. Let it encourage you. Let it help you. Here are the things that I've prayed to ask God for. Here's the second thing that I think you can do today. Ask yourself, is there something in my life that the devil is targeting to steal, to kill, to destroy? Is there an area of my life that is being schemed against? And invite God to intervene. Invite Him into that area of your life. He loves you, and He fights for you. He goes before you. Um, my my friend uh, Clay, I was going over this message with him. You, you might know him. He works here in our office. Um, we were talking about this message, and he said something really well. Uh, said something really good about that point. He said the other thing that's really cool about that is God, like, invites us to co-labor in this fight also. And so while we wait for the Lord to act, like, we can also, like, be acting as well. We can keep pursuing and we can keep fighting with that sword of the Spirit, he said. It's like that truth that God has given you, the true word of God. Like, even while you're waiting for God to come into this area of your life, keep reading and searching for God's truth. Like, don't be docile, but, like, fight that battle with the truth that God has given you, He had a quote from David uh, about that, where um, when David went to fight Goliath, the first thing that he said is he said, "God will conquer you, and I will kill you." So David like knew David knew that like God was going to conquer, but he had been empowered and he had been given um, he had been given a sword by God as well. And then my last thing that I, I really wanted to share with you of like things that we can do is just don't go it alone because the devil wants you isolated when he's scheming against you. So invite a friend into these parts of your life. Invite a friend to know like, hey, I'm asking for more faith. I'm asking for more peace. And also invite a friend to say like, hey, like the devil's been really attacking my marriage or I've got these friends at school and like the devil's trying to break us apart. Like he doesn't want us to be friends and these are my, these are my only Christian friends at school. Like I need help, right? Like invite somebody into that, lo- into that area of your life because the Bible says that a three-strand cord is not easily broken. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person keep warm alone? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him but a cord of three strands is not easily broken, right? The lo- that lion that's prowling around wants you alone, but when you've got two people to back you up, you cannot be taken down easily. Um, something that Pastor Adam said a lot when we were in youth group is he said, when you're in need, shoot up a flare, okay? That's like how you ask for help, right? Send that text that says, hey, I'm in need. I just need prayer. Or send that text that said, hey, can you help me out? Like, uh, And sometimes we're like, we don't want to burden people, right? We're like, oh man, I'm burdening someone with my problems. Do you want to know what the Bible says? Share one another's burdens. Burden me. Burden me with it. Okay? The Bible says to share those things. It says to lift each other up. And then my last point of uh, things that we can do of application would be to just come back next week as we continue this discussion about standing our ground. If I could, if the worship team could come up while I while I wrap up, um, you might be here this morning, and you might feel like you're losing a battle against the enemy. That might be how you feel right now. You might feel like you are ensnared by the schemes of the evil one. You maybe did not even realize that it was the enemy until this morning when you heard us talking about it. Don't wait to get help. Don't wait to shoot up a flare. Don't just assume that tomorrow will be different if you don't listen to Jesus today. There's freedom available today. You can start resisting the devil today. You can put on some of that armor right now in that seat. You can put on some of that armor right now by coming up and getting prayer from our prayer teams that are going to come up shortly, by sharing with them what is happening. There is power in confession There is power in testimony. There is power in reading God's word. There is power in asking Jesus to save you and becoming his son or daughter. All of that is free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything for it. You can just receive it. So I don't want you to wait. Um, I feel like, man, like I, growing up, and still today sometimes, like I hear so many like messages like this one. I'm like, man, like, I can't wait for next week when I when I, ask, when I invite God into that area of my life, right? Like, I don't want to do it now because sometimes it feels hard. It feels scary to share those things, uh, to invite him into some of those areas. But he wants to save you today. He wants to fight for you today. And that is available now. So we're going to sing one more song. If our prayer teams could come up as well. There's going to be prayer available. And I encourage you to make use of it. I encourage you not to wait because it's available to you now. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close out. Lord Jesus, thank you that you fight our battles. Thank you that you love us, that you go before us, that you've given us the tools to resist the enemy, Lord. I pray that, um, I pray that you will come into these areas of our life where we need you, and that, um, and that you'll begin to change us, that you'll fight for us. Um, and uh, I, I just pray that people leave this morning different, that they leave lighter because they've shared their burdens. I pray that they leave lighter because uh, they have peace that surpasses their understanding, that they have the truth that you provide, uh, that they're saved, that they have increased faith, that they're made more righteous by inviting your Holy Spirit, Lord. And all these things we pray in your name.
1: I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every. because i know there is peace within your presence i speak jesus i just want to speak i just want to speak the name of jesus till every dark condition starts to break There, in there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name So, so- God. So, what Nate shared today was really powerful. And the truth that we know is that when we speak the name of Jesus, there's, the enemy has to flee. When we resist the devil, he, he comes and he gives us the strength that we need. We'll sing this one more time. He's the name above all names. You're the If you want to stay and worship, I think we'll keep singing a little bit. I'll just pray. Jesus, I just thank you for this.